It's my privilege, it's my honor to share with you this morning about why we should be concerned of our children in this time, in this day, in this age. Amen. Amen. I want to honor Pastor Mercy. Amen. The founder, the visionary. Amen. I just want to talk to you about some few things, amen? And I want to share part of my testimony with you. Some of you were here last year, you heard some of it, but as it relates to our children, by the grace of God, I have four children. And um, my oldest son is called Elijah. And Elijah was the child that taught me how to pray. There were so many prophecies in fact, when I had Elijah, I was a young girl. I was a teen mother. I was a teenage mother. I got pregnant when I was 15. Yeah, I got pregnant when I was 15. I had Elijah when I was 15 years old. And I didn't know God well. But somehow, some way, there was some sense that there must be a biblical name for this child. And so we named him Elijah. God is wonderful God is wonderful when Elijah was 12 years old I married my husband who is now a pastor Elijah struggled with the fact that I got married because for 12 years it was just he and I single parents just he and I so he struggled mommy he struggled when I tell you he struggled he struggled because he couldn't understand why somebody else should come and take his space. He couldn't understand who is this man. He's African. We don't know him. Where is he coming from? And so it was a challenge. And he began to go through changes. I could see my child changing before my eyes. He began to go through changes. By that time, I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I was a minister. And um, what I saw, it drove me into a place of prayer that I had never been before. Because when somebody touches somebody you love, it's one thing. But when somebody touches your own flesh, your own child, it's another thing. And that was the time when I began to see, I really began to see things. You know how people say, oh, the Lord showed me this, the Lord showed me that, and God hasn't really shown them anything. Hello? Hi. Oh, are we going to pretend here? Are we talking? Be real with you. Okay. That was the time I really began to see for real, for real. Amen. The entities that were contending with my child. That was the first time in my Christian experience I began to see beasts. I began to see all kinds of unclean things contending for the life of my child. He began to smoke marijuana. He became rebellious. He was a different somebody. I didn't recognize my child. I didn't recognize him. But it was because of the changes and all of what he was going through, he didn't know how to deal with it. So he began to rebel. It was painful. Because mind you now, we're in the church. And how many can testify that nobody can gossip like church <laughs> they have a PhD in it. 
They have an MD, a DDS, a PhD, a DBA, a MDD. Oh! I see you. You are still. You are still in church mode. I, I didn't come in church mode. I didn't come in church mode this morning. But you, you are still in church mode. Okay. Me, I didn't come in church mode. I came to share my heart with you. Amen. It was painful. It was painful. One woman even, she saw my son somewhere. He was working at a pizza hut in Colombia. And she saw him standing outside smoking. One woman brought that thing to my bishop to accuse me that I shouldn't be promoted because look at my child. So, so wickedness, I'm telling you. People, when you're in the midst of your pain, that is when people can be the most wicked. I'm telling you. I'm telling you something. But as for you, you are pastor's wife, so you know it. You know how people can talk. You know. Oh, you are still pretending. <laughs> Maybe they don't do it in your church. Yeah, you are blessed. Yeah, you are, I will come visit your church. They don't do it in your church. Okay. So it was painful. It was painful. But something somewhere along the line rose up in me that you have to fight for this child. Because sometimes we expect that maybe our husband will come with some word from God. Maybe our husband will contend for this thing. Maybe our bishop, so so prophet, say say, who who, wah wah. Some prophet will come from somewhere. No prophet was coming from anywhere. No prophet was coming from anywhere. God said, "You must fight for this child." And it was a fight. Yes. It was a fight. It was a fight. It was a fight. I want to encourage somebody this morning. You must fight. Yes. You must fight. Yes. Because sometimes, because we are under the eye of people, we want to pretend that everything is okay. You see, we have messed ministry up in America. I don't know if this mic is okay, but anyway, I'm trying. We have come to a point where we have made ministry like business, show business, glamour, you know, and then pretense. So because I'm a pastor's wife or a minister or a reverend minister, I must come in church and pretend that everything is okay. No, I don't. No, I don't. And some of you, you are pretending. But if we pretend that everything is okay, we will never come to the point of fighting. Thank you for the one class. I said if we pretend, we will never come to the place of fighting. You must come to a resolve that everything is not okay. Before you really fight, listen, if you've talked to anybody in the military, they will tell you, that yes, they trained. Yes, they taught them how to use the weapon. Mm -hmm. But at the moment that they saw the enemy right. face to face, mm -hmm. something shifted. Mm -hmm. How many of you know anybody in the military? Yeah. The moment you see somebody standing next to you and you know that today either they die or I die, mm -hmm. something rises up in you. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. And we must rise up. Amen. It's called pastor's wise 
Arise. Amen. And we must rise up and contend for our children. We are concerned about everything else. We are concerned about our dress. We are concerned about the program. We are concerned about everything else at church, the women's ministry, uh, 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 who is preaching. Uh, 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 uh. We are concerned about everything else. But we must be concerned about our children. That's right. Amen. So it was a fight. Accusations came, gossip came, all kinds of things came. It was a fight. But by the grace of God, in serving Jesus. Amen. I give God glory. I give God honor. I just share that testimony with you to let you know that we have to contend for our children. Yes. Yes. We must contend for our children. You know, the other day I came across something, and it's old news. It's not new news. But it was new news to me about Oral Roberts' grandson coming out as a homosexual. And I saw it and it grieved my heart. Because this is not the legacy that the man fought for. That's not it. This is not the legacy that the man fought for. And you know when the Bible talks about the prodigal son, that word prodigal means waste. It means wasteful. There are some translations that says that this prodigal son, he went and spent all his father's money on riotous living. But there's another translation that says wasteful living. Prodigal living is wasteful living. And the Bible goes on to say that when the prodigal son came and said, give me my portion, the Bible says that the father didn't didn't fight. It says that the father gave him his, his portion of his, listen to this, livelihood. It means it was the father's sweat. It was the father's blood. It was the father's livelihood that he was portioning out to the son. And so what the word of God is saying to us through that story of the part of the son is that we cannot labor, sweat, shed our blood for the gospel and our children waste it. Not waste our money, but waste our sweat for the gospel. And so a prodigal son is not only a son who is backslidden or living a lifestyle of sin. A prodigal son or a prodigal child is any child that wastes your labor for the gospel. And they don't have to be out in a quote-unquote sinner's lifestyle to do that. So let's rethink and shift our paradigm about the prodigal son. Are your children wasting your sweat for the gospel? Do they care about your God? When there's time for prayer, do they want to pray with you? Or do they want to watch Beyonce? Are they wasting your sweat for the gospel? Do they have a sense of godliness? Do they have a desire for the things of God? We have to rethink this thing called prodigal. Because we think, oh, my, my child is not smoking, my child is not drinking, they are okay. But meanwhile, when they are in their room, you don't know where they are. 
What they want to listen to is not what you want to listen to. What they want to watch is not what you want to watch. And so there's the desire for the things of God is not being passed on. It's not being carried on. Hello. Okay, my time is almost up. Let's read the scripture because you would say she didn't even. Uh, uh. <laughs> oh, glory to Jesus. Let's read it. Amen. Luke chapter 15, verse number 10. Luke 15, 10. It says, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. I'm reading the King James. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repented. So, Jesus had been in the midst of some sinners and some tax collectors, and the Pharisees were angry with him. They were angry and they were complaining that this man eats with sinners. And so Jesus began to tell them a story. And the second story that he told them after they complained was this story. The story of the prodigal son. Jesus is the one telling the story. Amen? So that is the background. That is the backdrop. And he begins to tell them the story uh, of the prodigal son. And before he tells the story, he says that, he makes a point. He says that the angels of God rejoice over one sinner that repented. And so the context of the story of the prodigal son and the emphasis is on repentance. If you have a child and you are praying for them, you must be praying for repentance. That there should be the manifestation of repentance. For the Bible declares that it is the goodness of God that leadeth men unto repentance. You have to pray that the goodness of God will manifest in their lives. If they're rebelling in any area, that is your prayer. That is your prayer. Amen? Amen. And he said, a certain man had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falleth to me. This son was concerned about possessions and not inheritance. You can write it down. This son was concerned about possessions and not inheritance. That is the number one thing. That's the first thing. And sometimes because we had a rough life, we didn't have enough, we grew up with lack, we want to spoil our children. But sometimes spoiling them with things is the worst thing we can do for them. Because the prodigal son, number one, his heart was not in the right place. His heart was on possessions and not inheritance. So he said, Daddy, give me my stuff. And the father divided unto them his living or his livelihood. Verse 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into a far country. And there wasted his substance with riotous or wasteful living. Verse 14. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in that land, and he began to be in want. He began to be in want. He began to be in want. Now, I share my testimony of believing God for my son. I saw my son go through things that I would never want him to go through. But there were times when I had to watch it. I had to wait. Because it was a situation, just like the famine that overtook this prodigal son. It was that famine that drove him to come to his senses. That's right. mm. It was the famine that drove the boy to come to his senses. 
And we as mothers, we always want to protect our children from harmful things. We don't want to see anything bad happen to them. But sometimes they must come to the end of themselves and they must face a negative situation before they realize, uh-oh, I have missed it. All you're talking, mama, is not going to do it. They must knock their head against a wall. In some cases, they must knock their head against a wall before they will what? Come to themselves. And so there was a famine. There was a famine. There was a famine. He began to be in want. Verse 15. And he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country. And he sent him into his fields to feed swine. He did what? Listen at the word. It says he joined himself. He joined himself. He joined himself. Now, listen to this. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 7 and verse 7 that there was a young man void of understanding. And that man void of understanding went and joined himself to a harlot. When you don't have understanding of who you are, you will join yourself to anything. I told you at the beginning that this boy's focus was on possession and not inheritance. He didn't understand, number one, that he had an inheritance. He didn't understand, number two, who he was. He was void of understanding. And if you look at verse 30, when the other son, the older son comes, the older son makes it plain in verse number 30 that this prodigal son, the younger son, had been wasting his daddy's money on harlots. Proverbs 7, 7 says, it says a, a, a young man void of understanding would join himself with what? With harlots. So the prodigal son was void of understanding. He didn't understand his inheritance. He didn't understand sonship. He didn't understand that the thing was not about daddy's possessions. It's about my placement and my position as a son. And so one of the best things that we can do for our children as, as ministers is to give our children a sense of identity. Amen. That's one of the best things we can do for our children. If you see the Jewish children, they walk with the thing on their head. I don't know what you call the thing. I forgot the word. The thing Yamaka. on their head. And the yarmulke. Yarmulke. Mm -hmm. They walk with that thing on their head. And they do it proudly. Why? Because their parents have told them, as for you, you are different. Right. As for you, you are different. As for you, you can't do what the world do. Why? Because you are a chosen people. Amen. And so the Jewish children walk with the sense that I'm chosen. Amen. I'm chosen. And some of them, when they walk in the room, they will command things even more than the adults. Because they have a sense of identity. So if you tell them, oh no, you can't eat this. We don't eat this. They know why. Because I'm chosen. I'm God's chosen person. That is the best thing we can do for our children. Is to let them know that you can't do this and you can't do that. Not because it's sin. And God doesn't want you to be a sinner. Yes, all right. But because you are chosen. You have a purpose. You are different from everybody else. You are God's special child. There's a mark for greatness on your life. We have to speak into the lives of our children and help them to understand that we are not just imposing rules on them. Yes, yes, yes. That's why they kick against certain things that we tell them. They are like, that's for me, oh. Amen. 
And if you're sitting there looking at you like, yes, mommy, but inside they're like, I'm no go agree. Me, I don't agree. Inside in their heart. Because only reason that you're giving them is sin. That's the only reason we are giving them. We are not giving them a sense of identity, purpose, calling, anointing. Yes. And listen, mama. Mama, yes. don't impose your calling on them. Amen. Amen. Mm. Don't impose your calling on them. That's good. My eldest son, Elijah, so many words came. Oh, he will be a fiery preacher. Oh, he will be a prophet. Oh, he will be the. The guy was smoking marijuana. Do you think he wants to prophesy? <laughs> <laughs> He wasn't ready for all those things. He wasn't ready for all those things. Everything in God is progressive. Everything in God is progressive. So it's not everything you need to impose on them. There are some things you can keep in your heart and pray. And you don't have to say anything to them. When Joseph had a dream, the Bible said that, but the father kept the thing in his heart. So there are some things that we have to keep in our heart. We can't be imposing stuff on them. They are already rebelling. And you, you are telling them you will preach. You will preach. They are already rebelling. Leave them small. Leave them small. Mm. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Where were we? Verse 15. He went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, unequally yoked. When you don't know your inheritance and your placement and your position as a son, you will be unequally yoked. That is why we have to give our children a sense of what? Identity. 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 Look at verse 18. He says, I will arise and go to my father and will say unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Repentance. You see, there is the beginning of the process of repentance. He had come to himself. He was beginning to repent that, oh my goodness, look at where I am. Wow. Is this how far I have fallen? Wow. So the circumstances around him begin to work on him to bring him to a place of repentance. Amen? And that is why we must pray that God would grant any child that's rebelling in any area, we must pray that God would grant them repentance, that they will see for themselves that they are living beneath who they are. And we must instill a sense of what? Identity. A sense of what? Identity. Amen? We must understand this thing called sonship. We must teach our children these things. Amen. Right from the get-go. That you have an inheritance in this earth and in the one to come. Amen. Amen. We have to teach them these things. Amen. Amen. We must correct any errors from the womb. Any errors from the womb. We must correct any errors from the womb. The womb is a place of conception, but it is also a place of wrestling. If you look at Isaiah 48 and verse 8, you just you can just write the scripture down. Isaiah 48 and verse 8 is talking about a child that was called a transgressor from the womb. From the womb. And so there are sometimes when people speak things over our children in the womb, and we must correct them. We must correct I said we must correct them. We must overturn them. Because some of the issues that we are dealing with are issues from the womb. Isaiah 48, 8. And then Acts 3 and verse 2 says, And a certain lame man, lame, lame, from where? His mother's womb. Yeah, Jesus. Acts 3. 
Acts chapter 3 and verse number 2. Certain man was lame from his mother's womb. Amen? So you must correct any errors from the womb. Cancel any negative words spoken over that child. Any negative pronouncement spoken over the child from the womb. You must cancel it. Amen? Amen. And then also, there is a certain or there can be an impartation from the womb. Luke chapter number 1 and verse 15. Luke 1, 15 says that a child was filled with the Holy Ghost even from the what? The mother's womb. From the mother's womb. So there was a pattern of strength and there was a calling from the womb. And as mamas, we must identify the pattern of strength and the calling from the womb. Amen? Right, you can write down Proverbs 22 and verse number 6. It says this in the Amplified. Train up a child in the way he should go, teaching him to seek God's wisdom and will for his abilities and talents. And so it is not just training them up in the word of God in general. It is shaping them and pointing them in the particular direction for their abilities and their particular talents. There is a pattern from the womb. You can see the differences in your children. And so we must point them each in the direction of their particular abilities and their particular talents. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. 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 You can write down Matthew 19, 12, Judges chapter 13, verses 5 through 7, Judges 16 and 17. And then also, if you please, write down Matthew 18 and 10. Judges 13, verses 5 through 7 talks about the fact that Samson was a Nazarite from his mother's womb. So there was a calling and there was a pattern of strength right from the womb. Delilah uncovered it. But mamas, we must discover it. Amen? And we must point our children in that particular pattern of strength and calling from the womb. Amen? So that was Judges 13 verses 5 through 7 and Judges 16 and 17. Also, please write down Matthew 18 and 10. Matthew 18 and 10. Matthew 18 and 10. This talks about the fact that every child has an angel that stands before the face of God. Amen. Matthew 18 and 10. And so the other thing that we must do is we must activate angelic ministry for our children. Amen. We must pray for repentance. We must instill a sense of identity. We must discover the pattern from the womb. We must correct any errors from the womb. And we must activate angelic ministry for our children. If you please stand with me and let us pray for our children. Proverbs 11, 21. We're going to stand on this scripture and pray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, any area of rebellion in your life, bring repentance. Let them walk with a sense of identity and purpose. Let any error over their, their life from the womb be corrected. Any negative word spoken over them, we cancel it and overturn it. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We activate the ministry of your holy angels on behalf of our children. Amen. Have you seen Proverbs 11, 21? It says, though hand join in hand. It means though there are schemings, though there are plots, though there is joining of hands behind the scene, though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not be unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Amen. Yes. Lift up your right hand and begin to declare, my children shall be delivered. My children shall be delivered. My children shall be delivered. 